Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast, part of the SB Nation Pride of Detroit podcast series, let's call it. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the man- editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. We are in the middle of our Getting to Know the Detroit Lions Draft Picks series, which is a name that I just came up with. Uh, but we're starting from the back of the draft. We are on the Lions' second, or actually first sixth round pick, Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, before we get into our guest who will help us break down Malcolm Rodriguez, let me get into my co-host, senior editor of Pride of Detroit. You can find him at Ryan underscore POD. It's Ryan Matthews. We're really going to workshop that title, but I don't hate how descriptive it is. I think it, it's to the point. Um, it is. Maybe we just need to get there in, in a quicker way. Sure. But I love it. Uh we're going to we're going to pause the podcast before we're not going to go so quick because we do have to tell our, our live audience here that uh, you turn what, 23 today, Ryan? Uh, yeah. So as my wife told me last night, um, I am no longer 30. I am in my 30s. And no. I told her, yeah, that's that's <laughs> not the nicest way to say that. I, I'm, I'm getting older. Well, thank you for spending uh, the early parts of your 30s with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's let's bring in our guest. It's Terry. No further. Let's get talking about Malcolm Rodriguez and to help uh, get us to know everything about him. We we have to get an expert, and so we got uh, the Oklahoma State beat writer for football from the Oklahoman. It's Scott Wright at Scott Wright. Okay, Scott, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, really appreciate your time. Sorry, I just wasted the first three minutes of it, but uh, I had to get that out. Um, <laughs> we, we like to start by getting to know uh, the, the player, or I'm sorry, the person first, because we, we've all you know spent the last two weeks looking at every highlight, looking at all that. One thing we can't see is, is the person behind you know the face mask. So um, let's start really at the beginning, the, the moment he lands at Oklahoma State. First, what, what's your reaction to, to landing him? I know he's only a, a three-star recruit, but uh, but was there was there preconceived notions about him, or did he make a first impression in any sort of way that that that's hung with you? You know, it's it's interesting. I'm actually going to go back even farther than that because um, his arrival at Oklahoma State coincided with my move to the Oklahoma State beat. We came in at the same time. Before that, I was covering high schools, so I was very familiar with him at Wagner High School in uh, in, in Wagner, Oklahoma, and uh, and his you know helping helping them to three state titles and uh, quarterbacking that team. I covered him in some wrestling as well, so um, I was very familiar. Even though Wagner is a couple hours away from us here in Oklahoma City, I was very familiar with uh, with what he was doing up there and uh, and knew a little bit about him from uh, from that. Um, it was really interesting to see his recruitment develop because there just wasn't a lot happening for him. He'd been doing all of these things. He was so good at so many different things in different sports, a two-way guy in football who was, uh, was a three-year starter at quarterback and led him to three, three titles, obviously a talented defensive player, but he just wasn't breaking through on the recruiting circuit for some reason. You know, Wyoming was was his only Division I offer until a, uh, a, there was a junior college in, uh, in in Oklahoma that had started kind of looking into him and, and was really fascinated with why he didn't have bigger opportunities. And uh, they had a connection at Oklahoma State, reached out, and uh, and suddenly Oklahoma State is in on him, and uh, they make an offer, and he commits, and, and, and uh, the rest is history. But uh, it was really interesting because it, he was 
clearly a talented athlete and a great kid. Uh, he had an older brother who had, had gone through and, and, and been a successful athlete and, and, and played college football as well. So people knew about his family. They knew uh, that they were really salt of the earth type of people. And uh, so it was just it was it was a really fascinating process to watch. And, um, you know, once he landed at Oklahoma State, you felt it was a place that he was going to fit in well and and be able to flourish uh, both as a player and as a person. And and uh, and that really, uh, really became the case. I'm not sure if I addressed everything you you got to there, but but far, far away, anything else you'd like to know about Malcolm? Well, so, so Scott, I want to ask you and, and we'll get to this um, a little bit later in, in regards to um you know, his physical traits as a player, but like you talked about how there wasn't a whole lot of interest in him um, during the recruitment process. Did that have to do with his build and maybe like the uncertainty of, of where he would play just because, you know, at the high school level, he can play like linebacker safety. He's just this guy who's flying around and making plays. Was that kind of the concern about like maybe his size going in into college? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of that. You know, he was 5'11", still is, um, and uh, he wasn't nearly as bulky as he as he is now. He was uh, uh, he was probably playing in the in the 180 range back in high school. Oh, wow. So, yeah. um, a, a lot smaller guy at, at at that time. You know, the athletic gifts were 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 obvious, but but there were just some holdups, and and it's very possible that that uh, the lack of size was was one of them because it made it a little bit difficult to see exactly where he's going to fit in on a uh, on a roster because um, like you alluded to, he's, he's able to do so many different things and, um, you know, figuring out a, a clear path for him was probably a little bit difficult for some college coaches. I, I want to talk a little bit about the the wrestling because he actually, he told the story kind of his, his wrestling career in high school where he, I, he was runner up one year and then decided to bulk up and then he won two straight titles. Uh, so I, you said you covered him a little bit as a wrestler, um, I guess my question is just how, how much do you think that influenced him kind of morphing into, you know, I can't think of any other word than a beefcake. Like, <laughs> like that, that's who he, like I watched him out there in minicamp and that dude's thighs are, are the size of my head. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. I, I definitely think there was, uh, I think, I think his wrestling background influences him in a, a lot of ways and we'll probably get into some more of those later. So I'll, I'll save some of that, but, um, his attitude is, uh, is, is definitely, uh, born from that wrestling nature, that wrestling background that he has, his toughness, uh, his, uh, his no quit attitude, the approach that he has to, uh, to the game, and a lot of that comes from that, um, you know, his his understanding of how to how to gain good weight, which was such an important thing as he as he bulked up over these last couple of years to uh, to fill that linebacker role. So, um, you know, he's got a, a really good understanding of, of what he's putting into his body and, um, you know, sort of touch a little bit more on, on his his personality. Um, you know, he's he's got. Um, he's got Hispanic uh, family on, on one side, he's got native American family on the other um, lots of good chefs in the, in the family, from what I understand. <laughs> so he is a, a big fan of food, but he understands that, uh, you know, what kind of food to be putting in his body. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've written some, uh, some stories about his family and, uh, and things like that and got to know them a little bit. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, but, um, he's got some, uh, some very specific dishes from the family that, uh, that are very important to him and, uh, and are, uh, are, are core parts of, uh, of what he does. Uh, just as a person and, and also to, uh, to, to have bulked up the way that he has. 
That's that's good intel. I might have to I might have to ask him about some of those dishes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, grab some grab some recipes for sure. Um, so Scott, you know, he, he spent um, Malcolm did uh, five seasons at Oklahoma State, and he kind of shares um, you know a a rare I guess distinction that another Lions draft pick has, and that he was a COVID super senior like Chase Lucas. Um, so spent a lot of time at Oklahoma State there for five years. What is that time that he spent at Oklahoma State and like staying there, you know, with the with the COVID season? Um, what does that kind of tell you about him? Like what kind of personal growth or the maturation process um, while he was he's at Oklahoma State kind of kind of tell you about uh, who he is as a person? I think two things that tell you a lot about him from that. Um, number one, when he reached his his actual senior year, he understood that he was he was not big enough and did not understand the linebacker position well enough to go be a potential draft pick at that point. And he knew that he could get himself to that point. Um, on the other side of things, he also, he had changed his major midway through his, uh, his, his time at, at Oklahoma state. And he was uh, not ready to graduate yet at the, at the time that he was finishing up his senior season. He had another full year of classes and getting that degree was really important to him. Um, you know, he uh, he's a guy that, that definitely wanted to go play football at the next level, but he's very grounded and understands that the, that the NFL is not going to last forever. And so those were two things that were very important to him. Um, you know, the the growth that Oklahoma State has sh- had shown as a as a program and particularly as a defense over the first three years of, of Jim Knowles. Uh, time as a defensive coordinator going into last season, which was Noel's fourth season, um, was uh, was something that that Malcolm felt he was a big part of helping that defense grow, and he knew how special they could be. And they ended up being one of the best defenses in the country last season. And it was a, a big part of it was because of him. So um, he is a guy that is incredibly loyal and incredibly driven to be as good as he can can possibly be. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got an interesting personality in terms of he seems very serious all the time when you're talking to him. He, he'll smile and, and is very friendly, uh, but he's, he seems to always be on task with what he's discussing. But then he's also got this this silly side that we in the media don't always get to see. Mm-hmm. I've talked to his his family and his friends, and they see it a lot more than we do. Uh, but he'll let it slip every now and then when you're when you're talking with him, and he'll slide in something very dry and and, and very witty that completely catches you off guard, and it's really entertaining. Well, that that seriousness, that that you know, leadership on on the defense that, that turned around the Oklahoma State defense led him to be a two time captain. So. Um, as a captain, what did you see in terms of his leadership? Is he kind of a more lead by example guy? Is he is he a vocal guy, um, or is he just kind of you know whatever whatever the coaching staff needs him to be? He can be he can be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the 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 key with him is that he understands when to speak and when to be the vocal leader, mm-hmm. so that it's an impactful. Uh, moment for for him and his team. He's not a guy that's constantly yelling, getting in guys' faces, or or uh, or or doing that type of stuff. Uh, he's he's more reserved than that. Uh, but he is uh, he's an incredible leader by example with how he works, what he does in the weight room, especially, and uh, and what he does on the practice field. But when he when he knows that something needs to be said, he doesn't shy away from it. So he understands that dynamic, I think incredibly well. And I think that's something that will be 
very valuable for him because he's going, he's going to be obviously in a, a completely new situation and, and he's the new guy now coming in. And so he's going to earn respect with his work ethic and then eventually, you know, hopefully get to the point where he can, uh, where he can be one of the leaders in, uh, in whatever group it might be that uh, whether it's special teams or, or eventually the defense, whatever it is. Do you want to go to break yet, Jeremy, or can I squeeze one more question in? Get get one in there. You got it. All right. Here. All right. So, um, and this will just be a quick one, Scott. Any stories about about Malcolm, um, either on the field or off the field, that kind of understand um, his personality? Any kind of like encapsulating story? Like that's a Malcolm Rodriguez story that I remember. You know, one of the one of the really interesting ones was at Big 12 Media Days last July, right before the season, because he had always been, you know, early in his career, he was a, a really quiet guy, didn't like interacting with the media a lot. And when I say quiet, I'm talking about media interactions only, um, you know, but uh, he didn't like, I, I shouldn't say he didn't like it. He just wasn't really comfortable with it yet. It was a, a very different process for him, something entirely new coming from a, you know, a class 4A, which is middle of the road in terms of size in Oklahoma uh, high school. So, he got to major college. The media demands were a lot different than what he was accustomed to. And so um, you saw him slowly grow into a guy who became much more comfortable. And, um, you know, kind of the uh, the stories I alluded to with him, kind of letting, letting his wit and dry humor kind of pop in every now and then. We really started to see last July at Big 12 Media Days, he was uh, – uh, he was a guy that that, uh, that that didn't always have a lot to say in media situations, but at, uh, but that day it was uh, you you could see that we were really seeing a lot more genuine version of who he was, and and it was uh, it was really fun to see, and uh, we talked to him a ton throughout his his super senior season, and so it was great to have that insight and uh, and have a little bit more of of his actual personality coming out. So it was uh, it was really enjoyable. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into Malcolm Rodriguez, the player on the field, and see what the Lions have, see what maybe his potential is in the NFL, and uh, see what, you know, there are a lot of Lions fans he could think he could develop into a starter. We'll see if uh, Scott Wright from the Oklahoma agrees. So stick with us. We'll be right back on First Bite. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L 
V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on First Bite, talking all things Malcolm Rodriguez here with Scott Wright from the Oklahoman. Uh, we talked about the player a lot. Let's get into, I'm sorry, we talked about the person a lot. Let's get into the player here. Um, I, I don't even know where to start here with Malcolm because his stat line is, is absolutely ridiculous. I guess let's start here. So started off at safety, played safety in high school. Tell me about that transition to linebacker. And I guess where, when you maybe saw like, oh, it clicked on for linebacker. That's, that's where he has a shot in the NFL. You know, in terms of his NFL potential, it was really probably just the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you started to see it a little bit in, uh, in in the 2020 season. You really saw it in 2021. Uh, but, you know, you go back farther than that, and it was – so the, uh, the initial move was made because they were really lacking depth at linebacker. And they had some injuries in, uh, in August – and and came into a point in that season when they uh, or before that season when they decided they had to do something significant to shore up the linebacker issues and they had a lot of, of depth at safety they identified Malcolm because of his skill set and particularly his tackling ability as a guy that could could fit in at that linebacker spot but he moved up there and was playing at about 205 in the 2019 season uh, really um, you know, not nearly as big as he is now, obviously, but not big enough at, at, at that point to be a Big 12 linebacker. So it was uh, it was really a challenge from a physical standpoint, but you could see right away that his playmaking ability still stood out and he was still able to go and do things that, that were able to help the team, even though he wasn't necessarily big enough to uh, to really get in the mesh in the in between the tackles and 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 do a lot of things. Now he uh, he obviously has has dedicated himself to becoming better at that and uh, and grew significantly in 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 that realm. But you know that that first year had some rough patches, but his uh, his overall skill helped him uh, to avoid some of those. And you know he made some uh, some really critical plays. Throughout that uh, that first season, he had a uh, uh, an interception that he returned for a touchdown at Iowa State. That uh, that was a a huge play uh, in uh, in that season and in his career um, that uh, that helped them seal a win up there. So that was a a, a really big moment when you uh, you you realized that he had he had the talent to be there, even if he didn't quite have the size just yet. Yeah, and, and and like Jeremy had mentioned, and, and and you also talked about a little bit there, Scott, the the ability to like just make tackles. Like you know, Jeremy said, like the the kind of stats that he put up. I mean, granted, yeah, I mean you're you're there for five seasons, but you know, four hundred nine tackles is a lot of freaking tackles. Like that, yeah. it, it, you know, and it's usually not the measure of like, oh, like a, a good linebacker gets a lot of tackles. But I, I look at a different stat, right? And and the stat that stands out to me is. 60 games played 48 started and it seems like the guy is just as durable as they come and uh everybody who watches the show knows that my favorite ability is availability like it it is that number of 409 just a testament to how durable the guy is in in a lot of ways yes it is and and you know a lot of people look and say yeah he played he played five seasons um you know maybe that diminishes the the tackle number a little bit his freshman year, his true freshman year, he initially was going to redshirt 
and pulled off his red shirt because they needed some depth on special teams. And so he came in, only played special teams as a true freshman and only played in, in nine games, had 11 total tackles. So he had 398 tackles over four seasons, one at safety, three at linebacker. So um, you look at it that way, that 398 is still a pretty big number. And uh, his, his durability is, is a huge part of that because just like we talked about, the 2019 season when he was definitely undersized, he never had injury issues. He, he, didn't, uh, he, he didn't get banged up. And if he did, he was playing through things and, and it wasn't showing in, in the way that, that he was performing on the field. So uh, his, his durability is absolutely critical to, uh, to what he does. And, and like I said, he's long been very committed to taking good care of his body, doing all the right things to make sure that, uh, uh, that he is at peak performance level when he steps on the field. Well, let's jump a little bit into the, the technical side of his game, because, you know, we, we mentioned kind of the, the small stature he's listed at 5'11 or yeah, 5'11, what was it? 232 or something at, at this level. So that's obviously what a lot of people point to as the issue. He's got short, short arms to at least in comparative. I always want to say in comparative to, to the position because his arms I'm sure are, are, are a lot longer than mine. Um, but how, how did he compensate, I guess, for that at the college level? Um, when, when that can be, obviously, you know, he had, he had to bulk up and, and maybe 232 is acceptable at the college level, but I guess how, how does he win despite the, the shortcomings, I guess, with, with the body type? I think the biggest thing for him is he's a very instinctual player and really in particular, you always saw it a little bit, but you really saw it last season, his ability to read a play and know where it was going. Uh, and that's something that I think is really going to benefit him as he, as he, even as things get more complex in the NFL, uh, his, uh, his intuitive nature is a, a real benefit and he understands how to keep himself out of the danger areas that can, uh, that, that can be a, a, a hindrance to him. So he's not going to get himself locked up in a, uh, in a block that is going to prevent him from, uh, from getting to the hole, the gap that he needs to be in. So he understands uh, the movement of football very well. And I think that that is, uh, is incredibly critical to what he did at Oklahoma State and what he's going to be able to do with the Lions because, uh, because his understanding of the game is, uh, is, is incredible from, uh, uh, from watching him develop from having never really played linebacker at, at, at a serious level in 2019 to what, uh, to what he was uh, last fall. Uh, was uh, was really incredible to watch. You know, you you look at his his 2019 film. You're still going to see him, um, you know, getting caught up in uh, in in you know being in the wrong spot, being in in bad situations where he can't get out. Um, but um, you know, his athletic ability would still bail him out from uh, from time to time. Uh, his uh, his ability to make sure that he is in the right spot, and then when he's there. He does not miss tackles. Uh, I mean, you know, he's obviously going to be going against a different level of ball carrier in, in the NFL on a regular basis, uh, but he saw some pretty good ball carriers throughout his time in the Big 12, and the guy just does not miss tackles. That's uh, that's the most impressive thing about his entire resume is uh, out of those 409 tackles, I would uh, I would. I would love to know the the number of the official stat on his missed tackles throughout college because it's a a minuscule number. I guarantee. Scott, so I have one one other question about just that change from playing safety to playing linebacker because as as we mentioned in the first segment, there was that uh, transition 
um, that he made uh, even in high school, like playing that safety linebacker hybrid kind of role. Um, do you think that there's any opportunity at the next level that he can maybe moonlight at safety, maybe in certain packages? Like, do you see him as just like strictly maybe being a linebacker or do you think that he has the, uh, you know, instincts of a defensive back that he can make some heady plays and, and, and be called upon to, to play safety in certain situations? Yeah. If the situation is, is right, I think that he has, he has the skills, he has the, uh, the knowledge, um, you know, being a, a former quarterback, he understands how to read quarterbacks a little bit. Um, you know, so I think that there are situations where he can, uh, where he can be put in a, uh, you know, a coverage package or whatever it might be and be able to, to handle himself really well. Uh, you know, he didn't have a ton of interceptions throughout his career, but he wasn't asked to do that a lot as a linebacker. Uh, but he had a really big one. I talked about the one at Iowa State. He had a really big one against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, his last college game. Uh, that was a uh, that was a hugely crucial play in a, in a big comeback that Oklahoma State had that day. So, um, you know, he's a guy that is that is not going to be uncomfortable if he's asked to be in a, a safety type role or just in in coverage as a, a traditional linebacker. And he's got plenty of athleticism too, right? He's got, he's got plenty of speed, plenty of agility. Um, but I, I want to go back to the wrestling thing really quick, because I have to imagine that you, you mentioned the guy doesn't miss any tackles. I have to imagine part of that is probably influenced by his coming up as, as, as a wrestler. Is there any other part of his game that you notice maybe have tra- has translated from wrestling to football, something that, that helped him prepare for a football career? You know, the, the, the understanding of leverage in a, in a situation yeah. when he's going against a guy that's, that's bigger than him. Um, there was a play against Missouri State at the beginning of, uh, of last season where he's in position to, uh, to try to make a tackle and a, uh, a, a lineman is, is coming at him from the side and he's able to, uh, to just sort of grab the guy and, and hip toss him out of his way and, uh, and, and never, uh, you know, never lose track of the play that was in front of him. And so, um, you know, he, uh, his understanding of leverage is, uh, is incredibly important and plays a big role in his tackling ability because he understands how to get a guy to the ground. Um, you know, where, where to, uh, where to hit a guy, how to, uh, how to hold and roll and, and, and get a guy down. So, um, you know, that, uh, that wrestling ability, if you, if you go back and, and watch OSU games from, uh, from last, even the last couple of seasons, it, uh, it turned into a drinking game with fans uh, every time they brought up his wrestling background, because it was such a, an influential part of it that every, uh, you know, every broadcaster was, was so drawn to it that they wanted to, their chance to talk about it. And so uh, fans loved it and, and had a blast with it on Twitter um, because it's been such an influential, influential part of his, uh, his growth into uh, the player that, uh, that he has become. Well, if, any, if any Oklahoma State people are listening, that's two drinks so far. We might we yeah, might right. we might fit in a third. <laughs> um, I I don't want to speak out of turn, Scott, but I'm assuming that you're not a huge Detroit Lions fan. Uh, no, I would not say that. No. Okay. All right. So I I know that this question that I'm about to ask you might might be kind of hard to answer because maybe you don't know the landscape of the team, but like as far as first year expectations for Malcolm Rodriguez goes, you mentioned you know there was that time. You know, start, you started to see it in the COVID year in 2020 and then 2021, you're like, okay, this guy's an NFL football player. He, he should be playing at the next level. What are your kind of built-in expectations for Malcolm in year one playing for, you know, an NFL football team, regardless of whether or not it's a lion. It's like, what do you think Malcolm brings to the table in year one? 
Well, and, and I'll say this addressing, obviously, that no, I, I don't know the, the intricacies of the linebacker position for, for the Lions right now in terms of what he's going to be facing and trying to, to uh, get a, a spot on that roster. Uh, but here's what he's, he's going to bring and, and why I think he's really valuable and a great value as a sixth-round pick is that um, he's shown throughout his career that, that special teams play is not an issue for him. He is, uh, he is thrilled for the opportunity to be on the field in any situation. Uh, he was uh, always willing to step out there and, and do what he needed for his team. And I can only imagine that's even strengthened at the next level because he understands how big a deal it is to be part of an NFL team. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that comes in with his athleticism, with his speed and his tackling ability can be really valuable as a special teams guy right away. I think I think that's going to be a big key for him being on a roster, whether it is the Lions or someone else on uh, uh, when, when the season kicks off. Uh, so I, I see that as being a, uh, a huge value to him as his uh, as his career progresses from there, uh, you know, he needs to, as a linebacker, he needs to be in a, a good situation where he's going to be used right because he does have some inherent weaknesses that come with, with not being as big as, as guys, the, as every guy that's in his position. So, um, you know, the, the best, the, the best thing for him is to, to be used well and, and be used in situations that play to his, his strengths, which are, uh, you know, mostly staying, staying toward the edge and, and getting out, making plays, being able to use that speed to, uh, to, pursue tackler, tack, ball carriers and make tackles. So, um, you know, if if a team understands how to use him and play to his strengths, I think that he's got a chance to uh, to be a guy that that has a really solid NFL career. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the size stuff, and, and N'Kobe Dean was obviously a popular name, basically the same measurements in terms of height and, and, and weight. So if, if N'Kobe Dean can make it, and, and I know he fell further than, than some people, um, maybe Malcolm Rodriguez can. And, and it's kind of interesting, you, you talked about his, his freshman year, his true freshman year, that you know expectations weren't for him to start, but kind of circumstance forced him into the lineup. Well, the Lions aren't a team that is particularly deep in terms of their stars, in terms of their depth at linebackers. So wouldn't, wouldn't completely shock me to see him maybe even get a defensive look this year, but it sounds like he's fully willing and, and capable as a special teamer. So that's probably where he's at least starting. Um, last question for me. Uh, and I like to ask this of, of all of our guests. Um, if you could name one play for, for Malcolm Rodriguez's college career, that is, a pure Malcolm Rodriguez play. It, it's who he is. It's, it's what he does best. Um, what was it? And it's, it's really tough because as we've established, we're talking about a guy who made 409 tackles <laughs> right. during the time that I was covering him. So it's hard to weed those down. And, and it's, it's it might be a little bit ironic, but the two plays that, uh, that, that stand out really it's, it's, it's three and, and two of them I've already talked about, but um the, uh, the two interceptions, the one against Iowa State in 2019, the one against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl uh, on January 1st, are, are two, uh, two plays that, uh, that I think really showed his instincts at the, at the highest level. There's another play from this past season that, uh, that, that really stands out to me, and uh, it ended up being a play that, that at the time he didn't – it didn't affect the play what he did didn't, didn't necessarily affect the play because the quarterback got rid of the ball just before he hit him. But he came on a, uh, on a 
I don't know if it was a, a called delay blitz or if he just uh, his responsibilities led to the situation where he is uh, is is coming a couple of seconds after the snap. Uh, but it was against Texas last year, and he comes in and lays a perfect form tackle on Texas quarterback Casey Thompson, hits him right in the chest just as he releases the ball. It's an incomplete pass. It was a, an otherwise harmless play, but Thompson has to leave the game, and it came in a moment when Oklahoma state was, was down and trying to come back in that game. There was a, another big play by, by a, another safety. There was a, a pick six. That was a real huge momentum swing, but that moment you realize that, that Oklahoma state wasn't quitting and they weren't giving up, even though they were down in this game and they came back and won the game and it was one of their biggest wins of the year. Uh, but that, uh, that play, when he comes in, puts Casey Thompson on his, on his back with this incredible hit. Uh, I mean, Thompson came back in the game later. I, I, I don't know how, because <laughs> I mean, a, a normal person would have, uh, would have cracked a couple of ribs from, from the hit that, uh, that he took. So um, really impressive that he came back in the game, but uh, that was a, uh, that was a really big moment. And, and one of those uh, highlight plays that, uh, that you you've seen floating around over the last, uh, the last few weeks as, uh, as the draft and, and things have been going on. So um, that's one that really stands out to me. I want to take the opportunity to take Jeremy's job from him and say, Scott, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. We want to give you an opportunity, though, to you know plug your stuff, let let the people know where where they can find you. Um, maybe any kind of you know pieces that you've done on Malcolm, or um, I don't know how involved you were in terms of like the pre-draft process, but like anything that Lions fans might be interested in checking out. That's Malcolm Rodriguez, and of course anything um, that you would like to like send their way. Yeah, absolutely. I've written several Malcolm Rodriguez stories over the years to, to hit on a, a few of the big ones. First of all, our website is oklahoman.com. My Twitter handle is at Scott Wright. Okay. Um, I don't have anything real recent that I've tweeted out about Malcolm. You have to go back to, uh, to um, before the combine back in, uh, in late February to find anything that I've tweeted out about him recently, but uh, you, you can Google my name and his name and, uh, and you should get quite a few things that pop up a couple of them back in 2019. I wrote a story about his, his family uh, connections, the things that I talked about, the, uh, um, the red chicken that is, uh, is one of his favorite meals is, uh, is detailed in, in there. And, and what all goes into that? And the wet burrito is another one that he's a big fan of. That uh, I believe that's his grandma's dish that uh, uh, has been passed on through the family. So um, that was uh, that was one of my favorite ones. Uh, I wrote a story last year, um, just uh, just detailing. Like I, I asked as many people as I could, what makes this guy so good? Because because he's a guy that that he doesn't necessarily flash a lot. There's there there aren't just ridiculous plays that he makes that that. That, that just blow your mind, but he's just so consistent and, uh, and, and, and so reliable. And I just asked a lot of people, what makes him so good? And I got a lot of different answers, which seems to fit because there's not just one thing that this guy does well. So um, that was, uh, that was another fun one that, uh, that I got to write. And, um, and if you do find that, that pre-combine story, uh, he talked about his, uh, his, his, the importance of showing how fast he really was. And I think that was a big part of why he uh, he was uh, he was a guy selected in the draft and not an undrafted free agent. A lot of people were telling him he was going to run a four seven at the combine, and he ran a four five two, and uh, and that was a uh, that was a, a huge um, uh, a monumental statement that he made in the pre draft process that uh, that led up to it. And um, you know you, those those three stories probably show you uh, the most about both his personality and his commitment to football and and his talent level of anything that I've written over him over uh, over his career 
That's Scott Wright. Oh man, I, I don't know if we can continue doing these rhymes because they got me too hyped on all all the lines draft picks. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 in on Malcolm Rodriguez now. Like if I was out, I'm I'm in now. Yeah. Well, again, uh, Scott, appreciate your time. Follow him at Scott Wright. Okay, that's the letters. Okay, all of that is one word. Um, and and yeah, again, really appreciate your time. Uh, once once Malcolm Rodriguez puts on his gold jacket, we'll we'll be sure to have you back on. <laughs> awesome, sounds good. <laughs> all right, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with the uh, we'll be doing our, our Spotify live again today. So make sure you join us on Saturday mornings for that, and then also our main podcast Monday nights. Join us for all that. But until then, thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. Okay.